The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I wrote and published on my Substack at rabbischneeweiss.substack.com on September 5th, 2023. And the article, which was a late Devar Torah on last week's Parsha, is entitled Ki Tavo, Loan Learning versus Group Learning. The phrase hapax legomenon may sound like a Harry Potter spell, but the actual definition is, quote, a term for which there is only a single recorded use, end quote. The meaning of such a term is difficult to decipher, since there are no other instances of the word in context which can serve as a basis for comparison. The word haskes in this week's Parsha is a hapax legomenon. Quote from from Devarim 27.9, Moshe and the Kohanim, the Levi'im, spoke to all of Israel, saying, Haskes and listen, O Israel. Today you have become a people to Hashem your God. End quote. Rashi, citing Onkelos, renders Haskes as pay attention. Chazal, in Brachos 63b, on the other hand, offers several homiletical explanations. One such homily plays fast and loose with the composition of the word, exchanging the letter He with Ayin and Samich with Sin, and dividing the single word into two words, which are then pluralized. Thus, Haskes, He, Samich, Chaf, Taf, becomes Asu, Kitos, Ayin, Sin, Vav, and then second word, chaf, tav, vav, tav. The Gemara elaborates, quote, Haskes means asu kitos, make groups, and delve into Torah. For the Torah is only acquired through chavura, group study. This accords with the opinion of Rabbi Yossi Rabbi who said, What is the meaning of that which is written in Yirmiyahu 50.36, quote, A sword is upon the badim, sorcerers, or literally those who fabricate, and they shall become fools, end quote. The homiletical meaning is a sword upon Torah scholars who sit bad bavad, alone, and delve into Torah. Not only that, but they become foolish, as it, it is written here, no alu, and it is written there by Aaron and Miriam's sin of speaking Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu, asher no alnu, for we have acted foolishly, in Bamidbar 12.11. Not only that, but they sin, as it is stated immediately after the preceding phrase in Bamidbar 12.11, and we have sinned. End quote from the Gemara in Brachos. The general message of this Gemara is straightforward. It is better to learn Bechavura in a group than to learn alone. The Gemara condemns those who learn alone in three ways. One, a sword upon Torah scholars who sit alone and delve into Torah. Two, they become foolish. And three, they sin. The second two reasons are easy to grasp. Those who learn alone will be less likely to catch mistakes in their thinking, i.e. they will become foolish. And this will lead to mistakes in action, i.e. they will sin. But what about the first reason, a sword upon Torah scholars who sit alone and delve into Torah? What exactly does this mean, and why is it expressed this way? The Maharal in Nesivos Olam 6, 1-4 offers an explanation of our Gemara in dense and cryptic language. Quote, Inasmuch as the Torah is the supernal intellect, Hasechel Ha'alyon, which is separate from man, and the human intellect exists in the human body, which is physical, therefore man requires preparation so that he may acquire the separate intellect, Sechel Nivdal. This preparation comes about through the acquisition of Torah in a chavura, for through the chavura he acquires the separate intellect. 
The quality of this learning is incomparable to the wisdom he gains by himself, for that intellect exists in physicality and is not a separate intellect. Only the intellect that is acquired in a chavura qualifies as a separate intellect, since that intellect is entirely separate from the body. This is the meaning of their statement in Brachos 63b cited above. The explanation is that the intellect exists in the body, but it is necessary for the intellect to become separate from the body. When a person learns Bachavura, each one expresses his intellect to another, which the other person receives, and vis-a-vis the other person, it is a separate intellect, for it doesn't exist solely within him, and therefore becomes a separate intellect. End quote from the Maharal. The main question here, to borrow a favorite phrase from my Rebbe, is what the heck is he talking about? Let's break it down. When the Maharal speaks of Hasechel HaElyon, the supernal intellect, he is referring to Chachmas Hashem, divine wisdom, as it exists in the universe. This concept can be illustrated through an example from science. Many attempts have been made to explain why objects fall to the ground when we drop them. Aristotle held that objects made from the element of Earth are drawn to the Earth itself. Newton postulated a universal law of gravitation, which states that masses attract. Einstein accounted for the same phenomenon based on the curvature of space-time in accordance with his theory of general relativity. Each of these explanations is a theoretical model of the way the universe actually works. Each is an approximation of the objective laws of nature which exists in the mind of God, so to speak, since God doesn't have a mind which is distinct from his essence. This is what Einstein meant when he spoke of reason incarnate in existence and said, I want to know God's thoughts. In short, what the Maharal means by Hasechel HaElyon is objective truth. When the Maharal writes that the human intellect exists in the body, which is physical, he is alluding to the many ways in which the human intellect is limited by the physical media through which it operates, i.e. the senses, imagination, memory, emotions, etc. Ralbag describes these difficulties in his preface to Breshis Chalik 8, quote, The human intellect begins its development devoid of all concepts and intellectually apprehends these concepts via the senses and the faculties of imagination and memory. The influence on man's intellectual apprehension of the deep truths of existence is similar to a flash of lightning or to the flash of a revolving sword, which is periodically visible and then hidden again. This is due to the difficulty in attaining objective detachment from the subjective character of the psychological faculties that the intellect needs for its proper function. End quote from the Rabag. When Maharal writes that, quote, man requires preparation so that he may acquire the separate intellect, end quote, he is referring to the type of preparation mentioned by the Rabag, namely, the difficult process of, quote, attaining objective detachment from the subjective character of the psychological faculties that the intellect needs for its proper function, end quote. It is impossible for any human to attain absolute objectivity. So long as our intellects operate through a physical apparatus, we will always be subject to varying degrees of subjective distortions which color and warp our view of the truth. The best we can do is to distill our learning from its subjective impurities to the best of our ability. This is the chief benefit of learning Bihavura. As long as an idea exists solely in your own mind, it is impossible to differentiate between the objective truth apprehended by your intellect and the subjectivity to which your thinking is prone. But when you express your thoughts to an external mind, unencumbered by your own subjectivity, and you both engage the idea as an object of thought outside of yourselves, both of you are brought one step closer to Hasechel Hel Elyon, objective truth. The Gemara in Brachos teaches us that this engagement with objective truth is valuable in and of itself, not only because it helps filter out errors and avoid mistakes. And the more people are involved in this process, the better. What about the sword? The Maharsha, in his Chidushi Agados on Makos 10a, Dibramaskil Kol, offers a creative interpretation. Quote, 
In the study of our Torah, which contains deep concepts, man can only arrive at a clear and true understanding through analysis and cross-examination by peers. This is not the case with the religions of idolaters, in which each individual makes his own personal religion in accordance with his own will and mind without any need for peer review. This accords with what Chazal said in Brachos 63b, that Torah can only be acquired through Chavura. For this reason, Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Hanina said that if a person studies Torah by himself, he is studying it like an idolater who studies alone. It is taught in Sanhedrin chapter 9 that an idolater who studies Torah is liable for death at the hands of heaven, and it is stated there that all capital punishments for idolaters are by the sword. Therefore, this Jew who studies Torah by himself in the manner of an idolater is fit to be punished with death by the sword. End quote from the Maharsha. Torah is the study of objective truth. Idolatry is a product of man's subjective inner world. The idolater has no need for chavura because he's not even trying to apprehend objective truth. Thus, a Jew who learns Torah but doesn't make an effort to escape the trappings of his own subjectivity is approaching Torah the way an idolater approaches his own religion. For this reason, he deserves the same fate, death by the sword. Thus, homiletically, Haskes and Listen urges us to pay attention to Torah in as objective of a manner as possible. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.